If you are a vision-filled person wanting to do great things in life, fear is the single most limiting obstacle on your way to greatness. Now, I have missed plenty of opportunities in life by succumbing to fear, and I've gained tremendous opportunities in life by understanding this is fear, how to overcome it, how to master it, and the upside is really tremendous. This is exactly what I want to talk to you about. Uh, it's a huge, huge deal. How does fear affect our lives? How does it work? What are the mechanics of it? How do you overcome it very specifically and the incredible unlimited upside of mastering fear in your life? Today on Headspace by Christian Ray Flores. Thanks for tuning in. What has helped me tremendously my whole life is thinking of concepts on a macro level first like trying to understand the ins and outs of it and then sort of bringing it into real life situations after that. Here's the macro level truth about fear. It's actually meant to be a friend, but tends to become your master. And it makes a really good friend because it's there to keep you safe, to help you survive in life. But it's a terrible master. And what happens is most people actually do live, and this is both bad news and good news. This is sad because of the masses of people who live a life of quiet desperation. In it is also the good news. The good news is that if you are not one of those people, one of those people that live in fear, maybe we won't admit it, we won't talk about it, it's deep down inside, there's a great facade, but there's so much fear, so much anxiety, so much worry, so many limiting thoughts that we fall way short of, of our potential. And if you are not one of those people, you have this incredible advantage. You have no good reason to live a life of quiet desperation. You can understand fear, you can master it, you can overcome it. Here's one important thing to remember about fear. The danger, that feeling of danger, that perception of danger that we feel in all kinds of situations, is mostly not real. So we have to figure out ways to overcome that perception of danger. I want to illustrate something that has helped me literally my whole life, well, since I was 14 years old. So when I was 14, we're traveling with the family, we're in Africa, we're taking this little plane, I think it's like a puddle hopper plane, I don't know if, I don't, I'm probably butchering the term, but it's a small plane taking you from the mainland to the island. And we're going there to hang out, to do some spear fishing. And we're flying low, and my dad points to the pilot, and he goes, points the, uh, to the pilot and says, Who's, what's that? And it's like miles between, it's miles away from the mainland and miles away from the island. And it's this person in the water, and he thought it was a fish, and goes, oh, that's Joao. Who's Joao? And he goes, well, this is a guy who spear fishes for the restaurant. He gets us, you know, great fish and lobster and things like that. And, and my dad goes, where's, where's his boat? He goes, he doesn't have a boat. He just swims uh, to wherever. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. So eventually we got to know Joao, and he took us around the island, and we would, were spearfish in different places. And he would tell us all these stories. And this guy was really impressive, okay? He's this African dude, just beautiful physique. He's, you know, he's not, he's not wealthy. He's poor. His gear is sort of you know, shaggy, but he's Aquaman, right? Like Aquaman. He's, um, he just tells us all these epic stories. And one of the things that really 
stuck with me forever is his story of how he spearfishes for um, lobster. So lobster live under the rocks, usually. They congregate there. Um, and the other thing that happens to hang out there are sharks because they have to sort of sleep in a place where there's a current because they can't they have to keep moving they have to have oxygenate their their gills so they basically sleep under the same rocks where the lobster are because that's where the currents go so he basically says well every time or very often where i look for when i look for lobster i find uh sharks in the way and he and we're like so what do you do with sharks <laughs> you know do you just swim away he goes no uh what do you do well he goes i just shake them and we just i remember being shocked and he goes what, what do you mean shake them? He goes, I just take them by the fin and just shake them and they swim away because they're in my way. And then I get to the to the lobster. And basically, the the great lesson that I got from Joao my whole life, and I wish I could actually find him and thank him for that, is that he understands that most sharks won't attack him. He understands that size matters in the ocean. Those sharks are probably slightly smaller than him, he is, or not interested in him in the first place. So he's not afraid of the sharks. He needs to get to his goal, which is the lobster, which pays for his family to live, right? Puts food on the table, literally, for the restaurant and to his family. And he just shakes the fins of the shark, and they swim away, and that's how he gets to his goals. That actually, that lesson in life has applied in my life in so many different occasions. And the principle is very simple. That feeling of danger is actually exaggerated. It's most of the time, it's just not even real. So instead of stopping, shrinking, going the other way, not taking an action to get to your goals, what you need to do is you need to just shake the sharks. Knowing that the feeling is actually not real. The danger is not real. And by shaking the sharks, you're actually creating proof of that. And you're sort of leveling up on fearlessness and courage. Here's another big thing about fear. is that a lot of our fear is focused on how other people may perceive us. So it's this fear that is also exaggerated that is more social in nature, right? So... We are tribal people. We are wired to be in community. We need to fit into community. And when we do certain things, many things, especially things that are a little bit on the courageous, on the bold side, something comes upon us, this danger signal that signals that they might think of us not worthy, that they might throw us out of our community. This, this is all very subjective, very primal uh, we don't even think that we feel it, right? It's this constricting feeling of what will they think if I dot, dot, dot? Will they think of me less than worthy? Will they reject me? Will they judge me? Will they shame me? Will they criticize me? That feeling, it's there. It's there for everybody, okay? And it's not real. And here's the good news. People are way too busy thinking of themselves, about themselves, about their problems and how other people might judge them. They just do not think of you even close to as much as you think they think of you. So just dare greatly. Do bold things. Don't be afraid to possibly, possibly underperform. Most of the time, 
where you do this as a habit, as a principle, you will actually overperform. And when you do underperform, honestly, very few people care. And even fewer people will be either mad or ashamed or somehow critical of you. And those people, they're not worth your attention and your worry anyway. Here's another important truth, the most important truth about fear. It's not about who you are, but whose you are. Now, if you're listening to this, you might not be a spiritual person at all. You might not have a spiritual bone in your body, okay? I'm telling you this as a Christian, and I understand you don't have to believe me. But listen to me for a second here. When I fear this sense of fear or dread, I can remind myself of what I believe is actually true. It's not true that I'm alone. It's not true that I am who I am because of who I am. There's no design. There's no context. There's no framework to my existence, which is a really depressing thought. What is true is that I am God's son and I have unsurpassed worth. And there's a very specific set of tasks that he, my creator, my loving creator, wants me to do, and he will provide to me the resources available to him, which is everything, to get those things done. So then my task is just to understand what my assignment is and not worry about the rest, because whose you are matters way more than who I am. I want to read a scripture to you, and it will sort of give you, shed light into this. And by the way, there's hundreds of them. There's so many of them, and the tone of the scriptures is very interesting. One of the most, it's a recurring theme. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So that's why I say it's the most important source and tool to overcome fear. Philippians 4, 6, verses uh, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a few elements there that I want you to pay attention to. First is this, in everything, small things, small, 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 small things. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And there's something, there's an if and a then. The then is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This is beyond logic. This is mysterious. This is a mystical experience. It's something that descends upon you, this peace, this immunity from fear. And it happens, and it will also guard your heart and mind. So both my mind, my intellectual self, my emotional and spiritual self are guarded. We have this shield around us. Does that sound worth trying out? Okay. It's real, and it works. It's real, and it works. So then that bridges us to the next thing, is that it's not the big, courageous acts that matter, but it's the things that we do daily, the habits that we develop that are courageous habits. It's a habitual way of doing life, is that when you encounter fear, you shake the sharks in small things, and it adds up, right? It adds up. And then you start looking at th bigger things, and you don't feel that constricting fear. And what you see as completely doable, other people that, f that live in, in a, a life of quiet desperation don't even have the ability to perceive as possible. An interesting verse there that you can very easily miss is 
when he says, guard your mind and your heart. And I think it's really important for us to understand our intellectual selves, our minds need to be guarded. Our emotional selves, our hearts need to be guarded. We're fragile people. Well, you have to develop a practice that is disciplined on guarding your heart and mind. For example, are you in, involved in a toxic relationship? You're not guarding your heart and mind if you are, period. You have to get out of it. You have to figure out how to do it. Get help, get out of it. Do you have an unhealthy work environment? Same thing. Are you binging on the news? Same thing. You're not wired to, 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 to see and witness the suffering, the evil that goes all over the world 24-7, all at the same time. You're not wired for that. You have to guard your heart. I do important work in Ukraine. I do important work in Africa with the extremely poor, with the war in Ukraine. There's a lot of things there that are sad, but I guard my heart. I only let in the things that are pertinent to the work, the impact I want to have, and I can have more impact that way. Um, are you binging on social media? You're binging on these dozens and dozens of micro moments of somebody else's life that is actually most of the time not even real. You're not wired for that. It's not healthy. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. Develop some boundaries, some, some, some guardrails, right? Some systems. An example of micro-courage and why micro-courage matters. So I'm single for about four years. I had a lot of help, a lot of coaching on re-evaluating, re-understanding, re-sort of reviewing my whole worldview about dating, relationships, and romance. And I'm now really ready to find somebody. I want to, I want to find one person, fall in love with them, with her. I want to spend the rest of my life serving her. And I don't know who she is, right, or where she is. So I'm getting a little anxious about that, as many, many singles that are watching this will understand and say, yes, that is true. So we're in this conference. Uh, there's a mixer. You know, this is in Hollywood. And Deb comes along, and she's pretty and has this big smile on her face. And she, we talk, and I, and I have this moment of, whoa, who is this? And I could just take it slowly, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to take it slowly. So I asked around, you know, first I found out about her reputation, asked her out. We're on a micro date, we're on a real date the day after. I went to New York, I said, I'm going to call you every day from New York. She says, she's thinking to herself, there's no way he's going to call. I call every day from New York, then I go back home. This is pre-Skype, internet, WhatsApp, all those things. So there's not a lot of international calling. And I write to her, I email her every single day until she moves to be with me. And this is something I've never regretted. This is this moment. There was a moment that defined all of that downstream. Does that make sense? Um, and I'm just blissfully, happily married. I love her to death. And I'm so glad I didn't shrink back back then. Um, I can give you dozens of examples like that in business as well. Things that, that I've done over and over and over again. When you understand the principle and you can overcome fear, you can get these incredible amplifying, the amplifying effect of these chain reactions of opportunities. Here's another thing. Surround yourself with people that are courageous. Surround yourself with people that are not living a life of quiet desperation. And quite frankly, that's challenging, just emotionally challenging. Because once you start to pop out of that world of quiet desperation and go, you know what? I, am, I will be the person who does not live a life of quiet desperation. 
and you can start looking around, then you're going to see people that are living a life of quiet desperation. So you want to fit in. You don't want to offend them. You don't want them to think that you think badly of them. And it's a process, right? And I would say still find, go through that process, also courageously, boldly. And then find people who are willing to come alongside you, um, who are not living a life of quiet desperation. They're courageous people. There are people that deal with fear systemically in a disciplined way and they, as a lifestyle. Um, I cannot overemphasize uh, how important that is. You know, That's part of the reason why in my coaching program, Exponential Life, we have these cohorts because we want people to vibe off of and to, under- to see how they face their fears, their obstacles, imitate them, they imitate us. Um, the amplifying effect is tremendous. So get mentoring, get coaching. I'm a huge fan of both. One saves you time, you know. One will cost you more time, which is mentoring. It's slower, but it's it's not going to cost as much money. But it's more time. And that's the one thing you don't have more of. And coaching, it'll cost you more, more money. But it will save you tremendous amounts of time. And that's the one thing you can't amplify, you can't multiply. We all have the same amount of time. So this is a plug for coaching in general, or perhaps Exponential Life, if you want to check it out. I highly recommend it. I'm a huge believer in coaching. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching. And uh, it's tremendously beneficial. It will accelerate your growth. Here's the takeaway. Most people do live a life of quiet desperation. You don't have to be one of those people. And if you choose and make that decision, that's fund- that fundamental decision, I am not a person who lives a life of desperation. I'm not the kind of person. These are the kind of decisions, thoughts, actions, situations, contexts, environments that a person who is courageous, who, will, who deals with fear head on, this is the kind of stuff they do. And I will be one of those people. What is it going to take? And with time, bit by bit by bit, you will develop a fearless life. And I tell you this, that alone will transform the very trajectory of your life forever. And I want you to be that person. It's worked for me in amazing ways. I've known a lot of people who lived that same life. It's a beautiful space to be in. It's a beautiful company to keep. And I want you to have that sort of life as well. I pray that you take this to heart. Send me a note. How does this resonate with you? You know, what are you wrestling with? I want actually want to know, okay? Because I want a tribe of courageous people. I want a tribe of people who have this exponential life that I get to enjoy. I already have it, but I want a broader tribe. I want more of us to be around each other and communicate and tell stories and encourage each other. Thanks again for being part of Headspace.